The reading today is from the book of Acts, chapter 4, and we're reading from verses 1 to 31, found on the pages of 911 and 912 in the Church Bibles. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came up to be about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the highest priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you the builders which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, They had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a noble sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. 
For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servants, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan are predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Please keep your Bibles open. Uh, Let's just pray for Kenny and for Natalie. Father Lord, thank you so much for your word. Your word is true. Your word is living. Uh, We come uh, with our hearts ready to hear your word. Please prepare the hearts of the kids as well uh, for your teaching and for your word. We pray you pour your Holy Spirit upon Natalie and that she may teach the children well and clearly and that the children may respond to your word. And we pray that you will use uh, Kenny as a vessel of honor in your house and that we may hear what you have to say to us of what a God you are and what Jesus has done. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, George. Let me add my welcome. My name is Kenny, and uh, we will be looking at uh, Acts 4. Now, just before we start, the question that I would like to pose to you as we are looking at Acts 4 is this. What would you say is the greatest fear you have? What is it that the thought in your mind that keeps you awake at night? Maybe that's a fear of losing something or someone. Maybe it is health or death. What is it that you fear most? I, was, uh, I went to a wedding recently and uh, I, I met some of my friends and I noticed one of my friends, he kept washing his hands very frequently. And as we were conversing, one of his really, the thing that struck him the most was when COVID hit and it really never changed him. He feared catching diseases and so on. And so when he's in a wedding banquet, he struggles because of uh, the spread of diseases and uh, he visualizes everything because he is fearful, fearful of that. Uh, To some, there is... uh, that fear of uh, money, isn't it? That is a very common thing, not being able to make ends meet, so to speak. So we fear perhaps we do certain things, we do our jobs really well because we fear that we might lose this job and not be able to provide. And of course, there is that constant fear of the unknown, the fear of, okay, what will happen next? We have no idea what the future holds and... uh, Maybe the economic crisis will just continue to worsen. The job market will continue to worsen. Oh no, what will become of me? There is real fears that we experience. And perhaps to the younger folks, it would be one of failure or disappointment. It's, uh, it's, uh, 
it's still vivid to me, remembering how exams were. Uh, I'm not entirely sure with uh, the other young people, but it was vivid to me um, to do well in exams because I didn't want to fail. You know, <laughs> there was that that strong sense of failure. You you don't fail, you don't disappoint. You do what you need to do. You have to make it happen, and so you study hard. So. Fear is one one of the things really that drives us and motivates us to do certain things. The story that we have today is a story of Peter and John. And they are in a situation where it is a fearful situation. The context of Peter, he is now the, uh, the lead apostle that Jesus has put in charge of the church. And uh, I, I hope you saw in our reading that uh, the text tells us that he was bold in speech. But Peter was not always like that. Actually, during the time of Jesus' crucifixion, Peter denied Jesus three times. He ran away. He was a coward. But something between the, the crucifixion of Jesus and his ascension changed Peter's perception, which gave him this courage and boldness to face foes without fear. And that is really what I want us to look into as we um, study this passage this morning. What is it about Peter that caused him to change so much that from a coward he became a hero? That from a coward he became courageous and bold and perfect in speech. Well, let's have a look at uh, our text. If, uh, if you are joining us today, uh, the, the context of our text, uh, Acts 1 tells us of the ascension of Jesus. Acts 2, we see the church born. That was the first time Peter preached. And he says, uh, you know, this gospel is for you and for your children and to all who is far off, that whoever believes in Jesus will be saved. And 3,000 were added into their number. And as in Acts 3, as they were traveling to the temple, they see uh, uh, a crippled man. And this crippled man was begging, and Peter saw him, he looked at him, and he said, I don't have silver, I don't have gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And this man miraculously started walking. Okay, so that's the context. And when this happened, there was a big commotion in the crowd because everybody saw and everybody heard of what Peter and John has just done. And Peter went on to preach a sermon to the people. And what we see here in verse 1, it tells us in chapter 4, verse 1, that the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees heard about this and that he was proclaiming the name of Jesus and they arrested them. They arrested Peter and John. But verse 4, we are told that but many were added to their number. There was 5,000 that was added to the church. So there's at least 8,000 in the church at that time already when Peter preached this. At least 8,000. And that's only counting the men. So there was a lot of people. And so we come to Acts 4. And Acts 4 really is the first time we see the opposition to the church. 
We see the church opposed. And Peter and John, they stuck them in prison overnight and then they brought them forth. A bit like this maybe, but the audience is a bit different. So we are told the audience in verse 1 is the priests, the captain of the temple and the, Sadd- and the Sadducees. And if we look even further on verse 6, we are told that with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. What, what we are being told here is that the most important people in the Jewish community is in this forum. And Peter and John is standing there. Imagine if you were, you know, people of Beckentry, maybe one, one or two of you, you have been summoned. Okay, you have been summoned, you have been accused of doing something wrong, and they told you, you will go to the British Parliament today to explain yourself. That would be what the situation is like. They would be standing before the most powerful people in their community. Bear in mind, these are the same people that crucified Jesus. So that is how powerful they are. They had the power to bring a man to crucifixion. At least in the world sense, that is the power that they have. And I want you to look at verse 13 for me. See how Peter and John is described. They were described as uneducated and common men. That is the difference here. It's like a David and Goliath story. You have highly educated, prominent priestly families who, you know, inherited their position and studied in the best rabbinic schools. And then you've got two uneducated common fishermen standing before all of these people who who spent their lifetime studying and ruling the people. And in verse 7, they asked this question. They said, By what power or by what name do you do this? Now that's that's an interesting question, isn't it? Because that is quite a loaded question. What they are saying is, we rule this land. And this is not coming from us. So by what power or by name do you do this? Because it's not from me. And we're angry and annoyed about it. That you are usurping our authority. And we see here. Peter responds. And he tells them plainly. It's by the power of Jesus. Now that's. uh, Really, this, this section of Peter's response is, yeah, there is so much in it that actually if we unpack it verse by verse, you will see how much, uh, how much 
weight there is to his speech. Because if you look at verse 8, it says that then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, so you have the power of the Holy Spirit speaking through Peter. And he says, rulers of the peoples and elders, if we are examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled mind by what means this person had been healed, let it be known to you that all of you, to all the people of Israel, that it is by the name of Jesus Christ whom you crucified, he says. So, these Pharisees and Sadducees actually has experienced Jesus before. They would have heard of his healing power. And they cannot believe their eyes that even when this man they thought is now dead, is still doing these miracles. And so they see the weight of, of the Holy Spirit as the Spirit speaks through Peter. They see the weight of the power of Jesus as he still performs miraculous signs even when he is not even present. And then as you look down, he says, verse 11, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven among men by which we must be saved. This, this um, builder, this stone that was rejected, actually this is, this is a quote in the Old Testament. Okay, so this is a quote. Uh, we will just briefly look uh, at where this is. It's in Psalm 118. I will read to you. Uh, Psalm 118, verse 22. In Psalm 118, it says, uh, it says this. Verse 22, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. But what the following verse is also quite helpful. Because it says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. So, he's speaking here of the Lord as in capital L-O-R-D, which he's talking about God. And there is another quote, which is in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 28. Which says the same thing. Verse 16, it says... Behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. And the point that I want to make here is this. Who is it that lays it? Who is it that lays it? According to this text, it says, Behold, I am the one who has laid it. As in God has laid this cornerstone. And so Peter's speech is filled with the power of God. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's filled with the signs of wonders that Jesus has performed. And Peter here is quoting Old Testament texts. And he is saying, this is the prophetic word of God. And the people he's speaking to, they know this. Because they have met Jesus. They can see the transformation of this uneducated common fisherman before them. Standing so boldly. And they know their Old Testament text very well. Who is it that raised Jesus from the dead? He says verse 10. It is God who raised Jesus from the dead. 
And I guess the question that I have for you is this. It's when you see Peter in this situation, he is standing fearless amongst the most powerful leaders. But what's interesting here is how these Pharisees and Sadducees are responding. Because it, it begs to ask the question, The evidence is right in front of them. They have a crippled man walking. They have the Old Testament text pointing to the risen Jesus. And they see the transformation and the beginning of the church. The question is, will they respond and repent? And it seems like the answer is no. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because verse 14, it says that, But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. It says they had nothing to say. And verse 16, it says, What shall we do with these men for that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And he says again, And we cannot deny it. Can you imagine? All the facts are right before their eyes. And they say, we see the evidence. We cannot oppose it. We cannot deny it. But still, we will still reject this Jesus. I suppose it's one thing that the Pharisees and the Sadducees are responding in this way. Actually, uh, they, they are simply responding in, in the way that fulfills the text, uh, um, which is the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. You know? So they are effectively fulfilling God's plan in their rejection. And what I would say to that is, This is happening because God is merciful. I'm not entirely sure if you thought about this thoroughly, but if the Jewish people accepted Jesus, then the gospel probably would not have gone out. But all of us here are non-Jewish. And we come to know the Lord Jesus because the Lord has shown us mercy With the gospel being preached to the nations that we were part of. All the way to the British Isles. And the same question I would raise to you. You see the evidence that Peter is presenting here. You see that he was uneducated in common before. But now he's not. You see that he is Quoting Old Testament prophetic words. You see the signs of wonders that he has performed. And my question to you is. How do you respond to this name Jesus? He lays out all the evidences. And he says there is no other name. Under heaven. That God has given. Of which Man can be saved. In other words, this is the only way out 
for salvation. Jesus is the only way you can be saved. And he is extending his mercy upon you. And I'm not sure how, you know, if you are sitting here, I I don't know what you think about Jesus, whether you believe in him. Maybe you have been taken to church by your parents, or maybe you have come to church, but you've never really committed, so to speak, or never seen Jesus in that manner. But it's a question that is helpful, I think, to understand. You know, what do you think of this man, Jesus? What is it that's stopping you from, you know, going all in, so to speak, in following this man, Jesus? Because whatever it is that you are fearing, it is not worth fearing. And that is something Peter realized. Before, maybe he was fearing that, oh, I'm going to run away and I'm going to deny Jesus because I don't want to be crucified like him. But now Peter is here. He is saying, you know, come on, give it to me. You know, I don't mind being crucified like my Lord. Because he knows something that is greater The fear of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the weight of the whole power of God before him. He realized that this is a greater power than the power that is right in front of him. And it's a question that I want you to take seriously as you look at this text. What is it that is stopping you from taking Jesus seriously and following him fervently? Because whatever power that is, that power is nothing compared to the power that is powering Peter in his speech. Consider your situation, good or bad. Consider your future. If you do not know Jesus, yeah, the message of Peter is one of salvation. He says, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And we must ask the question, salvation, salvation being saved, being saved from what? Right? You know, so Peter is implying that you need to be saved from something. It's being saved from a crooked generation, of course, but ultimately being saved from death and hell. The suffering in this world is like, it's a bit like a foretaste of the hell that is to come to those who reject Jesus. And in the same way that the joys in this world is a foretaste of the heaven that awaits those who believe and trust in Jesus. Now, that is, uh, of course, addressed to all of us, whether we, are, we consider ourselves as um, believers or non-believers. You know, it's about what is it that is stopping me from, from following Jesus more to giving my life to his service. It, it's an important question to ask. 
But the other question probably that is worth exploring, if you are a Christian already, is, the, is this idea of how you fit in as a Christian next to Peter, right? Because Peter, clearly here, you know, he's, he's a different man now. He says, whether it is right for me to listen to you or listen to my God, you be the judge, Right? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be listening to my God. And there might be some objections to this because um, we, you might be sitting there. Well, Peter, Peter is a little bit different because he was an apostle. It's true. And he's, he's not only an apostle, he's an apostle with a capital A apostle. And that is very true also, right? Uh, and maybe another objection is, well, he, Peter is a little bit different because the text says that Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. And you might think, well, I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, so, you know, I get on with my day, doing my own thing, you know. I'm, I'm just a little Christian all the way, but nothing like Peter. Another a, objection might be, well, Peter knows the Old Testament so well. And I don't. I, he knows his Bible effectively, right? The, the only reason why he quotes Old Testament is because that was the only part of Scripture that was available to him on that time. But today, we, of course, we have the whole canon of Scripture. So he knows his Bible. So that might be the objections. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, right? He is, uh, he is an apostle with a capital A. He walked with Jesus. And he knows his Bible well. And I'm just a regular old Christian. You know, don't compare me to Peter. I, I think that is, uh, I, I would like to address this. Because um, I, I don't want you to be coming off and thinking, oh, wow, one, wow, wonderful thing about Peter. What about me? You know. <laughs> but here's the good news that I would like to share with you. Because if you look at our passage, the same gifts given to Peter are available to every believer. Did you notice that? If you look at the passage, we come to verse 23. And basically, the story goes that Peter and John was before these leaders, these powerful leaders. They, they present their evidence before them. The, the leader says, don't speak of this name anymore. Peter says, well, we don't really care what you have to say. We listen to God, not you. You know, they threaten them, do whatever, but they were eventually released. But in verse 23, it says they were released and they went to their friends and they reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And what they did was that they prayed. And after they prayed, look at the results of this prayer. Verse 31, it tells us that when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. That was Every believer that was present with Peter and John. And so the gift was not exclusive to Peter and John alone. The other believers were super bold too. 
And of course, that's why we have the gospel here in the British house, right? <laughs> but it is amazing. Don't you think that's great news? You know, you, this, this, this gift to be able to stand without fear and speak the gospel is available to you as a Christian believer. Now, the main point, of course, how do you get that? Is the, 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 the thing that they did is prayer, right? They, they prayed for, for, for boldness and courage. They prayed that the Holy Spirit works in them. And, and that is the good news. Every believer is given the Holy Spirit of God. Now, you, you might be familiar with a man named Brother Andrew. He's Dutch. He's dead now. But he opened a ministry called Open Doors. And uh, he was a Bible smuggler during the time of the Soviet Union. And uh, he's uh, known for the quote where he says, Lord, when you were on this earth, you made the blind man see. But please now, make the seeing eyes blind. And that was because he was smuggling Bibles across the continent in Europe. And after the Soviet Union collapsed, he was smuggling Bibles in the Middle East, in the Islamic nations. He had a full life ministry. That is the amazing power of his prayer. That he was able to bring these Bibles to all those nations that were restricted without harm. Because he trusted in God. He prayed for boldness to be able to drive through those borders that even when the checkpoints were there, they would quite literally look at his bag filled with tracks, filled with Bibles. And it's almost like they were blind because they were just letting him through. Amen. You know, and we're not talking first century. Well, this... This is within our lifetime, these things are happening. And of course, the Bible is given to us, right? For wisdom. Uh, Rob told us when he was preaching uh, on this text that the Lord opened the scriptures and that the, it, the, the Holy Spirit revealed to them what the text means. And that, that is what happened to Peter. He opened the scriptures and the Holy Spirit revealed the meaning of the text. You will find in the book of Acts that he's constantly quoting scripture. And the Bible is available to us. And that's why we read it. And that's why we talk about it. Because it is available to us. And finally, there is the fellowship of the church. You see, this is, this is also a place of courage. Because see, notice how it happens in verse 23. They went to their friends. You are the friends. And he encouraged them. And they were encouraged. And Peter and John was encouraged too to see that these people are doing that. And so this idea of prayer and reading the Bible and just fellowshipping with believers is so powerful. That it, be, it should be a regular activity for Christians. It, 
I'm not saying anything that is new or profound, and I'm pretty sure you already know these things. And, and I do hope that it's a good reminder for you to engage in these activities for the gospel. And I would just uh, encourage you as, um, you know, as church, uh, the situation today is no different to the situation in Peter's day. As Peter mentioned, he had no money, he had no education, no power. But what he did have was that he had the power of God behind him. And much of the same things... Christians will face this, this level of hardship, this level of questioning, this level of persecution. And the Lord Jesus has commissioned the church to preach a powerful message, which you are part of. You might not be suffering persecution or questioning from the powers that be in your seats or in your homes. But the encouragement that you give to other Christian believers who are suffering that fate in their own countries is immense. You know, as you see in this text, they went and reported to their friends and their friends prayed for them. And even their friends received the power of the Holy Spirit. This power is available to you. For every Christian believer. And I hope that you see that. And uh, you know. I, I don't know what. We're, we're so easily led. Isn't it? There are many ideas. That come about. On how to live life. On you know. Oh if you do this. Then you will do well. Or if you don't do this. He won't do well. But the text is clear that there is uh, a name that stands above all names. And this is something that Peter understood. That despite who was in front of him. He was able to stand firm. And what I'm trying to communicate to you, if you are a Christian believer, or if you're not a Christian believer, is that this is available to you. If you cling on and cry to the name of Jesus. This world will pass away. You might think that life is very long, you've got time. This world will pass. And what I would like to tell you is that nothing will be able to save you apart from the name of Jesus. Medicine cannot save you. It might prolong your life, but it won't save you. Education will not save you. It will only tell you about the things that are perishing in this world. Governments cannot save you. Or protect you. Escaping and migrating to a better country cannot save you. Climate activism or stopping oil 
cannot save you. The world will continue to decay. A better house, a better car, a better job, a better diet, none of that will save you. People always try to find a way to save themselves from the predicament that they're in. But none of the ways that you are trying, unless it is in the name of Jesus, will ever save you. That will go nowhere. And the choice is yours. You can choose to call on the name of Jesus. And he will rescue you. Cry out the name that echoes through creation. The name that is whispered on every book of the Bible. The name whose uh, name makes the devil shudder. The name that can cast away demons and cast away illnesses. The name that has quite literally redefined history and made it his story. The name that made time revolve around him. The name whose name means God saves. He can save you. He can lift you. He can restore you. He can make you fly high again like a soaring eagle. He can make you run and never grow weary. He can comfort you as a mother comforts a child. He can cover you with royal robes. He can be there and prepare a room for you in his father's house. And his name is Jesus. There is no other name. Under heaven, given to man of whom we will be saved. Only Jesus can save us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do praise you and give you all the glory. Because you have sent Jesus to rescue us. From this crooked generation. You sent Jesus to rescue us. From the judgment that is to come. And there is no name. Greater than the name of Jesus. And to you we give all praise. Glory and power. Amen.